So now this recording of the sermon that we are gathered now in the Living Hope Christian Fellowship here in Buena Park. And I'm glad we have about four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten people. And some promise they'll be still coming. So it is very essential that we obey the commandment of Jesus Christ. Go and make disciples. You know there's a big difference saying go and make converts. We are not trying to convert them to our church or to just our denomination or to our, again, local church. But we are to disciple whoever received Jesus Christ. Now, we cannot make disciples under first we are a disciple of Jesus Christ. And so with the board, I shared the thought that somewhere in September, or no, November, October, we are going to have a discipleship time after the service. We will gather like this, and individuals will uh, give you lecture. Well, I can take this off now. So initially, I will be the one opening. But then we'll be among the officers of the board with Pastor Jesse. We will be passing the notes around, and we will be sharing God's word. We are glad that Marion was able to make it. Praise the Lord. So, God is great. God is good. And so, we will be disciples, and you can make disciples. What's the program of God? Each one of us, trusting the Lord for somebody we can bring to the Lord. And when they receive the Lord, we can disciple them. Because we may not be able to bring them to the church, but we can share our faith and meet with them. And I thank God that in the Philippines I hear, through the material that we are using, throughout the Philippines, like for example, the uncle of my wife, rather, like cousin-in-law, my wife, who's a judge, who was a judge. Even when he was in office, Monday to Friday, he's there in the court. But weekends, especially Sunday, he's preaching. The result of discipleship. How was he saved? The children had gone to Sunday school and they learned this song uh, talking about Langit Impierno, where will you go? And they were saying that they knew they know Jesus Christ. And so it hit his heart. So he decided to said, well, I'm a judge. I'm supposed to make the right decisions. And yes, it's, there's heaven and hell. I know about that. Am I preparing for heaven? So he came to church and he received Christ. But then the church was discipling him. Discipling him. And now he was really preaching. I like a lay preacher going to churches and discipling others. And they listened to him. He's a judge. Wow, hallelujah. But the beautiful thing is if you're a friend, somebody will listen to you. You don't have to be high-ranking and very rich and powerful. Just be a friend that they can trust. And the Holy Spirit in you, and then you can share the gospel. Now in Second Peter chapter 1 that was just read today, it to me defines exactly what we should go through. Closing to the point there after the seven things that so should be added. For if these things are in you, you will neither be barren, nor unfruitful in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. If these things are in you, you will abound. Hallelujah. And so it's a, 
giving all diligence, therefore, according to verse 10, to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never fall. Then verse 11, so an entrance shall be made abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You say, Pastor, what is that entrance abundantly into everlasting kingdom? That in heaven, we'll be showing our talents out there? No. After the trumpet will sound and we're taken up to heaven with the Lord, the marriage supper. Then after that, Jesus with all the saints will come down to earth to establish his kingdom for the 1,000 year reign. And that is where, depending on our faithfulness today, will be our position during the millennium. Why? Today is the time of grace. The gospel to be brought to the Gentiles. But to the millennium, it is the gospel for Israel. Israel. Primarily, Jesus will be ruling in Jerusalem as the king of kings. And people will be brought to Christ, and especially the Jews. They do not, until now, recognize Jesus as Lord and King. But when he is now seated on the throne, and there will be peace, even the wild animals will not hurt anybody. No fighting, just peace. And so the Jews will recognize Jesus as the Messiah, and yet many will not. But in 1,000 years, the Jews are given that last chance to come to Jesus Christ. And who will be ministering to the Jews around the world? The Gentile believers. What positions will he take? Dependent on how we serve him today. If our eyes are only, it says, if you lack these things, you are blind, you are short-sighted, and you will backslide. And according to 1 Corinthians 3, some will be saved, but so as by fire. Yes, they enter into the kingdom of God. You're a child of God because you receive Christ. But stay there. The rest are faithful serving me now with the time and their substance. God will give them positions of where they can effectively help the Gentiles coming to the Lord. So, it's now our choice. Will we hear from Jesus, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. That's why it says, When that happens, And God shall wipe away tears from the eyes. You're going to heaven, why will there be tears? You'll be in the millennium with Christ, why will there be tears? You say, Sayang. I should have done this for the Lord. I should have given my tithes. I should have given whatever I can to the Lord, my time and service. I could have made it. I know this guy. I'm better than him. But look, God has awarded him more. Depending on how we serve God now, we have the chance. How long? Until we die. Until we die. We don't know how many years. That's why it says in verse 5, our text for today, 2 Peter 1 verse 5. And beside this, giving all diligence. Look at the underline there. Giving all diligence. Add to your faith virtue and to virtue knowledge and to knowledge temperance and to temperance 
patience and rapacious godliness. Our emphasis for today is godliness. And it goes on after godliness, brotherly kindness, and then charity. Giving all diligence. When you're behind the driver's wheel, you give all diligence watching the traffic. Alertness. Giving all diligence. And like Paul Ferguson working on the big machines, one mistake, the finger can be cut. Even their lives can be put in the risk. Like also nurses, giving all diligence, protect yourself, keep yourself healthy. If not, you can be an easy candidate. Become sick. Now, I talk about godliness. Shall I run to a dictionary? to explain to you what godliness is? No. I would let God to be the one to describe it. So next is found in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. Why? There are seven of them, or six of them. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached to the Gentiles, believed in the world, and received up unto God. That is the mystery of godliness. It's not what you produce. It's not by a sermon given by the pastor. It's by the word of God. And it comes about, God is manifest in the place, in the person of Jesus Christ. Justified in the spirit. He's holy. Righteous. Seen of angels. Live with angels in heaven, but he left. I'm down to live on earth. Now, he's preached to God. Gentiles with the gospel. And the world believed. Not all, but a great portion of the world. And then he ascended back into heaven. That is the basis for godliness. And we go on to the next. So in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1 to 4. Look at this. This is only verse 1. I exert therefore that first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks. For godliness. And God said, starting now, it will not just be circles because of the pandemic. All of us will spend time in prayer at the end of the service. Acting on what the Holy Spirit laid upon our heart and we'll cry upon the Lord. Maybe one or two will say it audibly and loud, but the rest will really be agonizing. Pray for the other members of the church, for, pray for your community. Let me tell you something. May the Lord was rebuking me. I live in my neighborhood for 41 years. That means that that house where I am now, we rented it first and now we finally bought it. 41 years there. Was I able to witness to my neighborhood? 15 houses in the cul-de-sac. Only one. Joe. He came to me across from his house, and we talked, and I said, you like Bible study? For about two months, every week we had Bible study, but when his wife divorced him, he got lost a little. But now he had to sell his house to split with his wife what they had. Now he rented now a house still within the cul-de-sac. And God said, according to Ezekiel, if the sinner has not been warned of the judgment of sin. His blood you answer for. But if you have witnessed to them and shared the gospel, 
you are free. Although they are not receive price, but you are free. And so, we are already preparing for my heart surgery. So the Lord said, are you sure you will live with this surgery? So, I prepared a letter addressed to my neighbors. I am presenting to you someone you know, Jesus Christ. He is your only hope for eternal life with God. Take him as your Lord and Savior, and you'll be with him. You don't have to work for your salvation. Your sins can be forgiven. I mailed that to all. I thank God. Not one of the letters I sent to them was returned to me. Not like lately when the surgeon. I sent literature. They will not accept it. It was returned to me. Two of the eight I sent. But of the 15, all of them, neither one of them sent back. Neither suggested. I sent another, including the daily bread, September, October, November. Not one came back. Pray with me, brethren. Pray with me. I don't know if one of them or two of them will finally receive the Lord, but I am free from the guilt now. Lord, you call me. I will not be answerable for their blood. I have witness to them. Some personally and all with the letter. Supplication is strong. It's asking for something from God. We are standing on and claiming his promises or yield to, yielding to his revealed will. Supplication. Claiming God. Asking God. Another degree is prayer. It's broke. In supplication, really for souls. In prayers is many things. Weather, uh, uh, social uh, environment, and so on. Intercession. This is now deeper. Intercessions refer to the requests we make on behalf of others. As we pray, there should be time when the needs of others find a place in our prayer before God's throne. It is not trying to convince God. But we claim the promise. Jesus said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hear my voice and open the door, I will come in. Lord, let them hear your voice. You're knocking in their heart's door. Oh, God. We're not forcing God to bring that conviction to the person. But we're claiming the forces of darkness to be lifted out. And that person will receive Christ. This is a spiritual battle. And the intercession is where that comes in. Where we fight. Where we fight. Then finally, we give thanks. Like I thank God for the cul-de-sac. Not one of the two letters I sent came back to me. They were all received. And I walk around. First time, five minutes. Second time, already 10 minutes. My last was 20 minutes. And the people are greeting me. Brethren, I have not convinced them. Only God can. And I have to give a friendly spirit and they greet. Now they know my name. Now they know I'm a pastor. Not somebody. But they can identify with me now. 
So I cannot force them. But God is gracious. He will do a wonderful job. Next. Next. And so the challenge is, uh, there's the, we covered already supplication, prayer, intercession, and giving. Be made for all men, for kings, for all that are in authority. We may live a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God, our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth. John 3, 16, you know very well, for God so loved the world. And the intention of God that everyone will receive Jesus Christ. But it's a whosoever. It's a whosoever. The next letter will be emphasizing, will you be that whosoever? Or will you still ignore and reject Jesus Christ? The key word will be the whosoever. So pray. The lesson comes out. The letter comes out. The Lord will be speaking to them. I'm not drawing them to our church, but drawing them only to Jesus Christ. Pray for those in authority. Now is especially the time we prepare for our country, the United States. And not only the United States, but the Philippines too. Especially at this time, the tentacles of China are getting stronger and stronger in the Philippines. Even the islands in the China Sea, they're taking their claim. And their fears that without a battle, the Philippines will be taken over by China. Almost every city, who has the biggest stores? Chinese. Key leaders? Chinese. Well, thank God for all the time they've invested and developed our country. But we are a country, the Philippines country. Let it remain independent and free and not be taken over by communism. And there's a great battle now in the United States. Will we be for freedom or will we be under socialism? Will we be able to worship? Now there's the samples of what we are going through like now. And now we go to another area now. It's just a few verses I have chosen. In First Timothy 2, 9 and 10. He's not talking about women. Should not emphasize themselves to adorn, but to be in modest apparel with uh, decency of shame, patientness, and sobriety. Not necessarily in all the braided hair, or gold, or pearls, or costly arrays, but with becoming women professing godliness with good works. Let the women or wives learn in silence with all subjection, especially with their husbands. That is one example of godliness. Next, Nat. And so, in 1 Timothy 4, 7, refuse profane and old wives' fables and exercise themselves rather unto godliness. Now we're going to zero on the word profane. I heard a sermon by a preacher who explained what is profane. The original word of God is about in the temple. Inside is real holiness. But Jesus had to drive out the people who were trying to bring the business closer and closer into the temple. And so Jesus drove them. You have made the house of God a den of thieves. And so coming to God, coming to church, what are we bringing? Are we being yielding to God? Or there was a time 
when uh, in Paramount, and it was stopped. In West Covina, it was coming in, but we were able to check it. When friends, all our members would come, and at the end of the service, would do business, selling this and that and so on, signing and the things, no. You want to talk about business, make arrangements, appointment, go to their house, but not in the church. That is profanity, being profane. You are not respecting the holiness of God in the place of worship. Now, we'll see some scripture. First Timothy 6.20, O Timothy, keep that which committed to thy trust, avoiding profane and vain babblings and oppositions of silence, falsely so-called. They want to show off their knowledge and they want to be great. They talk a lot. But God? Yeah, we are not so sure. Uh, somebody referred to me a testimony of a Jew. He grew up in the northern part of Israel, but more, more, more socialized, socialist, communism. But when he came down to near Jerusalem and went to study, there was one missionary that came. Was he very eloquent? No, he didn't even say anything. But his life was different. He showed the life of God. I was just impressed. But later on, another missionary came, a Korean. Again, not eloquence in explaining a lot of things, but the life. Eventually, she became his wife and led him to Christ. And are now on fire for the Lord, explaining that Jesus is Lord. The life of the Korean lady missionary. It was in his kibbutz, where people just are farming, and she came, work with them. Just a working person without even standing in the synagogue and preaching. But, but the life brought this person to Christ. Again, repeated about shun profane and being bubbling, and they will, for they will only increase unto more ungodliness, arguing, debating. It will not bring a person to Christ. It will just bring them away, and you'll be ungodliness. In Hebrews 12, 16, 17, lest there be any fornicator or profane person like Esau, who for one morsel of meat sold his birthright. For you know how that afterward, when he would have inherited the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no place of repentance, though he sought it carefully with tears. Let us be careful. When we are both engrossed in materialism, the satisfaction of the flesh, the pride of life, power, but not God. Now, Esau was more interested in that food and sold his birthright. It was his birthright. Brethren, if you know Jesus Christ, and by confessing him as Lord, you are now an inheritor of that eternal life. But if you reject it only for pleasure and for treasure and all these things, you'll be surprised. Tears and crying before God. You have rejected, and I trust that nobody will do that. Always put Christ ahead in your life. 
Next, man. So in 1 Timothy 4.8, bodily exercise profited little, but godliness is profitable unto all things, having promise of eternal life, now is, and that which is to come. Now in the United States, we are becoming more and more body conscious. Exercise and all of that, dieting and all, which is good to keep us healthy. But when we sacrifice, we don't have time to read God's word. No time to pray. No time to listen to God. Something's wrong. Godliness is more profitable. Why? This body will be left behind. It will corrupt. But eternal life will be with God forever. Next, Nat. 1 Timothy 6.26 And they that have believing masters, let them despise, not despise them, because they are brethren, but rather do them service, because they are faithful and beloved, partakers of the benefit. These things teach and exhort. If any man teach others and consent not to hold some words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, and to the doctrine which is according to godliness. We are all employees. Not one of us I know here is an, an employer of a business. Now we're working for somebody. We are supposed to give due respect. And praying that our dedication in our job and doing our best will somehow communicate to those we are serving. Go beyond the second mile. And I thank God many of the Christians have been promoted. Why? They can be depended upon and they're very honest and they do the right thing. The godliness in the person impacts. Sometimes testings are made by the employer. Uh, let's do something underhand and so on. Let's work. Just avoid the law, break the law. But if you say no, I won't do that. And sometimes, especially the temptation in big businesses, the temptation, here's a boss, and there's a secretary, and she's willing to give her body if only to get the promotion, selling her soul to the devil. We are not supposed to do that. Any benefit today, just for the life today, is not worth it. Godliness is more important. Next. First Timothy 6.26, 2 to 6. He is proud, knowing nothing. Continuation of the previous passage. That person is proud, although working with somebody else. Knowing nothing, but ducking about questions and strife of words, whereof cometh envy, strife, railing, evil, surmisings, perverse disputings of men to corrupt minds and the shoot of the truth, supposing that gain is godliness. From such we draw thyself. But godliness with contentment is great gain. It's a very big temptation, especially in the Philippines. When one has already gone to college and has a good grasp of uh, other scriptures and so on, they want to be the talkers in the church, creating confusion, debate, and so on, you know, like uh, Hermie and I were in the shop and there was a lady there who was also had a car being fixed and uh, 
I said, are you a Christian? Yes. In part of the conversation, he said, what's your stand, pastor? Pre-mid, mid, uh, pre-tribulation, mid-tribulation, or post-tribulation? I said, OGK. He said, what's OGK? I said, only God knows. According to Acts chapter 1, it's not for you to know. It's in God's hands. If it is free, mid or post-tribulation, pre-tribulation means Christ will come before tribulation. Christians will not go to tribulation. Or the middle of the tribulation, three and a half years, the Christians will join in the tribulation. They said three and a half years, no. In the post-tribulation, Christians will have the seven years joining together in tribulation. I said, it's OGK. Most important, I mean, right with God. I will not live forever here on earth. I will die. So whether it's pre, mid, or post, Jesus is coming. I go to tribulation. Maybe right the means of tribulation now. Israel, the great tribulation they're going through now, is that the real thing? You don't know. It's OGK, only God knows. Oh. <laughs> Godliness with contentment is great gain. What you have, God has given to you, your job, the blessings of your good health, any material blessing, use it for God's glory. It's a great gain. Next. And 1 Timothy 6, 7 to 14. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and raiment, let us be therewith content. But they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare, and into many foolish and hurtful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all evil. It will some covet after they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through many sorrows. When materialism, power, and prominence becomes your main target in life, you will regret it. Live for God. Serve Him. Because then you can take it with you to glory. Next now. 1 Timothy 6, 7-14 But thou, O man of God, flee these things, and follow the righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold of eternal life, whereunto thou art also called, and as prophet's good profession before many witnesses. Pastors, Fight a good fight of faith for godliness. Christians. Timothy was one of those disciples of Saul and became a pastor in Ephesus. Fight the good fight of faith. Paul, when he went around, did not bring big, big congregations to himself. He was very poor. I say, Timothy, just fight a good fight of faith. I don't know how big the church in Ephesus was, but he was there to build them up in the Lord, not to build riches and all of those things that he will have his own yacht and so on, all the riches of this world. No. He was more concerned, Paul was saying, be more concerned, the souls of the people under your responsibility. Next man. And 2 Timothy 1, 3 to 7. Uh, 1 to 7. It's my life. This know also that in the last days perilous 
times will come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truth-makers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despised of those that fear God, traitors, and high-minded lovers of pleasures more than God. Next night. Having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof, from such turn away. For of this sort are they which creep into houses and lead captive silly women laden with sins, led away with diverse lusts, ever learning and never able to come to the true knowledge of the truth. Many today are religious, having only the form of godliness. They can find the scripture. Let's turn to this passage. Oh, they can find it very, very quick. As to pray, they can pray. But walking with God and godliness, there's no resonance, no connection, no burden for soul. Something is wrong. Why? It's only a form of godliness. Do not be fooled. That is the devil's action. Just to become religious but not a relationship with Jesus Christ. Let not the world steal our heart with the treasures and pleasures. And that is what Satan will do. Why? To Eve. Satan said, why don't you eat a bit? Treat the knowledge of good and evil. Oh, God said, no, we should not eat of it, not even touch it. God did not say, do not touch it. But they wanted to add some more. Either way, she understood. Not even touch it. Oh, don't believe God. Even yet, you'll not really die. Was Satan telling the truth? After they ate, did they die? They didn't die right away. That's the problem with half-truth. The relationship with God was talking there was broken. The real life was taken away. In the day you eat, you know, you will surely die. And they die in their spiritual life. Why? What is the temptation? If you eat of this fruit, why? It was good for food, the last of the flesh. It was pleasing to the eyes, the last of the eyes. And if you eat of this, you'll be like God's, the pride of life. And that same temptation Satan did to Jesus in the wilderness. The last of the flesh turned this stone into bread. The last of the eyes caught the sickle and jumped down. And people will be amazed. You get their attention. Third, come and bow down before me, and I will give you the kingdoms of this world. He is still using the same approach to people today. Aware of his approach? Guard against it. Don't just be content with the form of godliness. So in conclusion, we see in 2 Peter chapter 1, there's a progression. Add to your faith virtue. Faith, when you receive Christ. Virtue, action. You serve Christ as Lord. Knowledge, add to your faith virtue. And to virtue, knowledge. Knowing not only about God, but knowing God more personally. And then temperance. Problem about knowing a lot about God? We became very proud. 
Oh, be controlled. And be patient. Yes, you're now temperate. But dealing with yourself, you become impatient or you deal with others. You're very slow. You cannot understand. We put on a person. Let us be very patient. And to patient, patience, godliness. We're now drawing closer to God. And as we go in our patience, we can fit into the will and plan of God. Let God have his way in our lives. Secondly, our surrender to the will of God to grow in grace and in the knowledge of Jesus Christ is the fervent thirst to experience Christ more and more. One person here said, Pastor, let's claim that Jesus will overcome our fear. Number one, fear from this pandemic and cleanse the covering of Jesus Christ. Secondly, the fear of what those in authority would like to control us, how we relate to God. We will obey God. Put God first. That is godliness. Thirdly, to take lightly. This step of godliness will will what? Our faith, virtue, knowledge, temperance, and patience, it will just wilt away. Why? It's not aimed at God. It's not aimed to place God. It is for ourselves. Then we will just wilt away. Number four, the driving motivation in godliness is gratitude and deciding to experience more of what is included in the operation of God's grace. Who are we anyway? When we come total submission to Jesus Christ, and let him shape our lives and deny ourselves of what we're entitled to, we think, the treasures and places of this world, then we'll experience godliness. And then the gratitude is practiced in constant thanksgiving, praise and worship to God. And for those who are early today, our opening is, we encourage, before you come to church, think, what can I praise God for? And we come to church we will praise God. Hallelujah. Let's praise God for what he has done. Thank God. There was opening in my job. Thank God. I could have been sick, but God delivered me. Thank God. We have to be a grateful people. And in the church, we are not grateful. And I'll close with this. There was a high official of one church. Had friends in the Paramount Church. And he came for some time. Then he kept on coming. I said, wait a minute. I thought you're a board member of the church. Why are you here? Pastor, this is the only church that people are praising God. They stand up and praise God. I don't see that in any church. I've gone to big churches. Or other Filipino church, they're not given a time to praise God. But in this church, sometimes then, people just thanking God. I'm healed, and so on. God provided me. That's what I want to hear, Pastor. That's why I come here. He was not praised, but God was praised. And it meant a lot to him. Father in heaven, 
the world would like to attract us to itself. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and pride of life. Lord, keep us becoming, from becoming blind and short-sighted. But to just exalt you. Because when you take us to be with you, it will be forever that we will be praising you around the throne. Forever singing your praises. And Lord, help us to start now. Not only in the church, but in our individual lives at home. To just express gratitude to you. And to see how wonderful God you are. As the hymn writer wrote, count your blessings, name them one by one. And it will surprise you what the Lord has done. Oh God, bring us into your presence of godliness. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.